0: It's a privilege for me to share the word of God with all of us this morning. And um, we've been looking through the book of Luke. And uh, I really liked Forrest's sermon last week about the coming of the kingdom. Um, I think it was just such an incredible reminder about... um, you know, it's going to, we don't know the ins and outs of how it's going to work necessarily, but we know it's going to be great. Um, and we know, you know, to make sure that we are on the right side, making sure that we know we are secure in where we're going, and to help other people be secure in where they're going as well. And today we're going to be in Luke chapter 18, so please start turning over there. All right, one time. And uh, the title of the sermon is Purposeful Prayer. And you know, I hope this isn't just me, but in terms of human relationships, when it comes to relationships with friends or with other people, maybe new people you meet, um, I think it's natural that we want to approach these relationships kind of in, with the stance of we know what we're doing. We, wanna, we don't want to appear like we're completely dependent on people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't want to com- appear like we don't know what we're doing. But for example, you go to a job interview, and um, you're not going to sit down in the interview and be like... Um, I have no idea what this job is. Um, I've never done anything like this before. Um, please hire me. Please pay me a salary. No, you go in like, Do you know what? This is the experience I've had. Uh, these are all the things I've done. You wanna, obviously, you want to appear alert, teachable, but you want I can get the job done. Um, maybe before a lot of people are married here, before you're married, maybe you're dating or not, you're like, I'm trying to show my girlfriend or my boyfriend I'm worthy to be your husband or be your wife. You're know, you going to show them what you can bring to the table. You're going to show them that, no, I can add good things to your life. Let's move forward with this. Um, And we do that because we can see it's to our benefit. We see that if we do that, we show our best side, um, we get something in return. And I think sometimes we can take that attitude and mindset to our relationship with God. Um, And I think my hope and prayers from what we read today to understand actually when we go to God, when we communicate with him what should our stance and attitude be? Um, So in Luke 18 um, we'll read in a second but Jesus is talking to he starts off talking to his disciples um, which a lot of us in this room are so it can apply to us too Um, and he's talking about he mentions a couple of parables, one about persistent widow um, and one about a Pharisee and a tax collector and we see one, the power of prayer and the second thing we see is the appropriate approach we should have to prayer. So please, we're going to read from verse 1, and the first point is the power and privilege of prayer. It says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought, and there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? on the earth we'll stop there for now so you know Jesus introduced this first parable and he doesn't Jesus doesn't mince words he doesn't waste words um, and obviously it's a parable so it's a story which has like a spiritual meaning but the, the meaning and who he's talking to is always very very clear um, so you see a judge he talks about a judge who um, who didn't care about God didn't fear God or care about people now for a judge that's a terrible combination of attributes to have <laughs> Judges are meant to be people that serve justice. Um, You know, if if a crime was committed against you, you go to court, you go to a judge hoping this judge is going to serve justice, my adversary is going to get what he deserves, so on and so forth. Um, And, you know, judges command a lot of respect. They have a lot of power. Um, If any of you watch any, like, courtroom dramas, one of my favourites is Suits, but anyway, that's a separate story. Um, But as soon as they go into court, The judge comes in, everyone stands up. You can't call a judge and then you address them, your honour. They just command a lot of respect and they have a lot of power and control. So the fact that uniquely this judge doesn't fear God or care about man, um, that's a scary situation to be in. And, um, you know, this widow, widows were known to be extremely vulnerable. Um, without the presence of a husband to protect them or to look after them back in these times, um, they could just be subject to being taken advantage of a lot. And, you know, clearly this widow had an adversary or something wrong, um, and she went to the judge for justice, and she didn't get any at first. Um, But she she kept going. She went back and she went back and she went back until she got justice, until she got what she wanted. She wore him out. And in the, the Greek, actually paints a picture of, like, giving him a black eye. Wow. Um, like, with her coming, she just wore him down and wore him down. That Even though he didn't care about anything or anyone, he gave her what she wanted. He gave her justice because she refused to give up. And, you know, Jesus uses her as an example for us. That if this woman can persistently and faithfully go back to this judge who doesn't care about anything, how much more will God listen to us, the people that he loves, if we cry out to him day and night. You know, God lifts us up as an example of prayer. Why? Because prayer works. Um, persistence in prayer works because God hears us and he has all power to deal with whatever troubles or situations that we're going through at any point in time. He has the power to intervene in our lives, to make things happen, to protect us, to guide us, to help us to grow. You name it, God is the one who has the power to do that. And God is so d- different to the judge in the fact that he actually does care for people. Um, God is love in himself and for each and every one of us here, that's all that he has for us. You know, Psalm 146, blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free and the Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts those up who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow. But he frustrates the way of the wicked. And I love that psalm because it explains the nature of who God is and the God that we're praying to. A God who's not only powerful to do whatever he wants um, and able to do whatever he wants, but a God who is personal to each and every one of us and actually wants to be with us and care for us. As it says, he looks after the foreigners, the fatherless, the widows, the people who cannot defend themselves. That is the God that we are praying to. And I'm so grateful to have access to this God. I don't deserve it. Uh, There's nothing I've done to get it. But I'm so grateful that when I pray, I know that this is the God who's listening to me. And, you know, from time to time, we can all go through difficult situations, and we can feel like the widow in this parable, mm-hmm. that there's something that is, is going on, whether it's um, uh, something you want to happen, but God's not making it happen the way you want, or a uh, health challenge, or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. there's something that we can go through at different points in time, um, and so often, it can be so easy to just to get so consumed with the problem that we forget about God. We get so consumed with the problem that we just get discouraged and we feel down and we use all of our energy just fixating on this issue and this problem that we actually don't go to God, the one who can actually do something about it. You know, these problems seem so huge to us and we just get discouraged, we get down and we end up going nowhere. You know, this, this widow... It would have taken a lot for her to keep going back to this judge over and over again. Um, a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of energy, emotionally, physically, everything. Um, if she decided to use that energy just to complain, just to sit back, just to be like, nothing can happen, this is terrible, she wouldn't have got anywhere. But because of her persistence, her wish, her adversary got justice. And for us, prayer is... I'm confident in saying prayer is the single most important thing we can ever do. Right. Jesus himself spent a lot of time praying, mm-hmm. so why not us who mm-hmm. are not at Jesus' level? No, you know, prayer is powerful because we're praying to a God who can deal with no matter what we come before him with. And unlike the judge, he wants to hear from us and he wants to respond in his timing. You know, when I think of persistence in prayer, there are a few people that I've come into contact with in my life that I think of. And one person is a guy called um, Mulligan Price that a lot of us in this room might know. And even by hearing the mmms in the room, some of you might know that he, he's a man who prays a lot. And um, he, he lives in Belfast at the moment and leads a church out there. But he studied the Bible with me. Um, and he was the one who kind of helped me to come, to come to faith when I was a teenager. And one of the things I remember that always sticks to me from that time and any time we catch up now... Is I actually don't think I know someone who prays as much as he does, and I remember when he, before he was back in the ministry, this was maybe, maybe about ten, nine, ten years ago. He lived in an area in Southeast London called Lee, and um, he always had this prayer that he wanted to see more and more people in his neighbourhood become disciples. And him and his wife were ex- extremely evangelistic people. Like he, will, he even said this, he'll reach out and share the gospel with anything that moves. Um, so it's not the fact that he's not sharing his faith why that's not happening, but he, he wanted to see that happen in his neighborhood, in his area. So he began to pray about it. Every single day, began to pray, God, I want to see disciples in this area, I want to see disciples on my street. Um, and there was one time, there was a brother in the South East who unfortunately passed away, but he was battling with cancer and he went to go and visit him in the hospital with a couple of other brothers, and the hospital was somewhere else in, in London, I believe. Uh, but they were in the elevator, in the lift, and they see these two, the guy and a girl, brother and sister, uh, Sandra and Samuel, and they reach out to them, um, and they end up finding out they actually live round the corner from Mulligan, I reach out to them, both of them become disciples, Sandra and Samuel. Sandra's best friend then becomes a disciple, um, and then, but I think at this time Mulligan then moves to Belfast. Um, but he keeps praying this prayer for his area of Lee. He doesn't stop praying it. Um, he moves to Belfast, and the house they lived in, he rents out some sisters. Um, so now there's still disciples living on his road. Um, and then those sisters, as well as the woman that he reached out to, Sandra, they go reaching out on his street, and they meet this guy from. Um, the Middle East, and his his conversion story is crazy in itself, but he becomes a disciple and he ends up living on the same road as them. Um, His brother and his sister both become disciples. And the story kind of follows on in a domino effect from there, but it's just to show that Mulligan never stopped praying that prayer. Um, And he could have stopped after a year. Um, And you wouldn't have seen anything happen. But Years and years and years and years, he kept praying that prayer. And we see that God responded to his faith. And we see that God came through. And you can probably think of some examples in your life or in the lives of people around you. But let us take heed from those examples. that Actually, persistence in prayer does really work. God does respond to our faith. When we keep going to him, um, he does want his will to come. Um, And my question is, how is your prayer life? You know, how much time do you spend in prayer to God? You know, do you believe that he hears you? you know, do you pray in faith, in persistence? You know, do you pray specifically and fervently for other people, for those you're reaching out to? Um, you know, we must remember that prayer isn't a formality. It's not a formality, it's not a tick box, it's not something that we should do to appear spiritual. Prayer is where the power is. Prayer is inviting God to work in our lives and work in these different situations. Um, and one of my favourite scriptures on prayer, is First John chapter 5, says this is the confidence we have in approaching God. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of him. And often when I read the parable of the persistent widow, one of the big questions that comes up is, well, if something isn't God's will, why should I keep praying about it? You know, how am I meant to know if I should keep praying and be persistent if God's already said no? Um, but the thing I love about this passage is that it's not necessarily down to us to know what God's will is. Our part is just to pray to Him and have the confidence that if it is His will, He will make it happen in some way, shape, or form. Um, but the fact is, for us, we just need to keep going to him, keep praying and being confident in the God that we are praying to. And a few suggestions I have for all of us is to write out any prayer on any verses on prayer that you can find this week. Um, any, any situation that you find that is challenging, is tough, a situation you might be getting weary on or wanting to give up, find scriptures on those specific things and write them down and go, go with those to God in prayer. And tick these prayers off as you see them answered. And that will continue to build your faith and show you that prayer is powerful and prayer works. You know, we don't deserve to go to God in prayer. He is the creator of the universe. He is above and beyond us in every way, shape or form. We don't really deserve to have this close communication with God. It's a privilege that we can do that. Um, And that brings me on to my second point, which is the appropriate approach to prayer and we're going to carry on reading in verse 9 of Luke chapter 18 to those who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else Jesus told this parable two men went up to the temple to pray one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed God I thank you that I'm not like other people robbers evildoers adulterers or even like this tax collector I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all that I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. People also also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hand on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And we'll stop there. So you see, Jesus is trying to get the attention of people who are Um, self-righteous. The religious elite, some of the people who thought their righteousness came from what they did and came from themselves. And um, again, like the first parable, Jesus does not beat around the bush. He's very clear, very direct in how he communicates. Um, So we have two people who have gone to the temple to pray. And this wouldn't have necessarily been the the hour of public prayer. These people were going to, to pray to give just their personal devotion to God. And firstly, we have a Pharisee. These Pharisees were the religious elites, the ones who uh, you know, wore the nice robes, the ones who were important, who had all the Bible knowledge. And they, they were bent on keeping the law of God. They were bent on doing everything to the book, uh, so much so they started to create even their own laws on top so that they wouldn't fall short from God's laws. Um, but they began to just burden the people below them, and it just became about traditions and became about doing things rather than the heart of a relationship with God. Um, and so that makes sense when we see how this Pharisee approached his prayer to God. He, he goes to God with confidence, but not with confidence in God, confidence in himself and in things that he's done. Uh, you know, he's saying, that, you know, thank you, I'm not like these other people, you know, even like this tax collector that's here praying next to me. Um, you know, I tithe, I fast, I do all these good things. Thank you so much, God, I'm great. And secondly, but much different, is this tax collector who, the word tax collector and sinner are almost used in the same breath. Um, they, tax collectors were people who were hated because they were Jews, who turned against their own people to take taxes from them, but also to take a little extra on top for their own, for their own benefit. Um, and so this man would have known that he... He's not worthy of anything. He goes to God. He won't even look up and he just cries out, have mercy on me, a sinner. And the interesting thing is the one who looks worse on paper, the one who looks like the worst sinner, goes home justified. He's the one who goes home made right. And the word here, justified, it's, not, it's, a, it's like a passive verb, not something you can do to yourself, but something that's given to you. So he was justified because of God's mercy not because of anything he did for himself. And, um, and you know the difference is that the Pharisee he would go home feeling good about himself. He would go home and he would probably still do all the, all the things he did before um, but there's nothing in his spiritual state which would have changed. Whereas the tax collector, everything was different for him. I think one of the important things to remember um, when we look at the Pharisee is that the things he was saying in his prayer oh, um, <laughs> strong drive um, the things he was saying in his prayer, they were probably all true. All those things he said he did, he probably did do them, yeah. um, all the sins he said he kept away from, he probably did keep away from all of those sins, and it 's not that that was a bad thing, but' that 's where he got his pride from that 's where he got his justification from. Um, Whereas the tax collector had no, no basis to accept or to claim or to be entitled to any type of righteousness or mercy from God. So he completely threw himself at God's disposal. And, you know, I think for us, we can often be like the Pharisee in the sense that we do a lot of good things. And don't get me wrong, God is proud of that. God is proud of those things that we do when we serve, when we are close to him, we read our Bibles, we pray, we, um, you know, we, we serve the poor, we serve... all these different things. God loves that. Um, but the problem is and the danger is when we get our justification from those things that we do rather than from God. And, um, you know, it can be... It's a dangerous line to tone. And it can be very uh, fuzzy that, you know... It's a slow a slow transition from having that justification from God to end up feeling that we can attain these things for ourselves. You know, the certainty of all people, as says in Romans 3.23, is that we've all sinned. We've all sinned, we all fall short of God's glory. That's just the certainty of people. Um, and it's the same for these two men as well. But the difference is, is one accepted it and knew it, and realised it, and the other just completely ignored it. Um, you know, today, who are we more like? Are we more like the Pharisee that we we feel great and we feel confident because of the different things we've done? Uh, you know, we go to God um, kind of flippantly. We go to God taking uh, for granted His grace and His mercy. We go to Him entitled to His love because we feel like we have earned it and we deserve it. Or are we like the tax collector continuing to go to Him begging for mercy because we know we do not deserve anything? And... The purpose of us being humble isn't to think we're useless, we're worthless, to be down on ourselves. Um, You know, I love the definition of humility. of It's not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Um, You know, the reason we humble ourselves is so that God can lift us up. As the passage said, he exalts those who humble themselves. You know, I even think of uh, the passage in Matthew 9 with the two blind men. And uh, they hear Jesus coming past, And they're blind. They have a very, very obvious need that they need to be healed of their blindness. The one thing I found interesting is that when Jesus is going past, they don't shout out to Jesus, heal me, I'm blind, make me see again. They shout out, have mercy on me, son of David. And it's that, that mindset of, they have an obvious need, they want to go to Jesus with it, but they understand they do not deserve it. They understand that the healing they're going to get is not something they've earned. It's just completely the grace and the mercy of God. And we need to be the same. If we understand that before God and without God, we are hopeless, that we are objects of wrath. But then we see that he sent his son Jesus to die for us. We see that all the grace that he's had on all of us. We see that the way he pours out his love. It will be easy for us to humble ourselves before him. It will be easy for us to understand Um, That we have not earned any any right, any entitlement to go to God um, with confidence without Jesus being at the centre of it. You know, this passage, um, I find this really encouraging. It says, for this is what the high and exalted one says in Isaiah 57. He who lives forever, whose name is holy, I live in a high and holy place. But also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit. To revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. This needs to be our start when we go to God in prayer. And personally, this isn't something I find easy to do. Um, the whole idea of grace and mercy is—I find it difficult to to grasp that I can't earn that. Um, I like—I'm someone that I like to—if I've wronged someone. And they forgive me. I want to kind of prove to them that I'm worthy of their forgiveness. Um, so I'm someone who I can often want to exalt myself. And I'm, I don't really like humbling myself. And um, that's yeah, a very dangerous situation to be in. But it's funny that um, this happens not only in my relationship with God, but it was a funny story about maybe six, seven months ago. I think I was a bit sick. And um, I hadn't been to the gym for a while. And I love going to the gym. Um, I love lifting weights I hate cardio cardio is a necessary evil for me <laughs> running on treadmills is not what I like to do but give me a barbell or some weights I'm, I'm happy but I was sick for a couple of weeks so I didn't go to the gym and um, I was like I'm feeling a bit stronger i feel feeling a bit better now time for me to go back so I get in the gym I do my stretches I warm up and I see these guys like these real big dudes like lifting these weights and I'm like actually I've, I've lifted weights that heavy before like, I But that's not even, that's not that much. Um, And I I actually had, like I actually had lifted those weights before. Um, But I didn't take into consideration that I hadn't been to the gym in a long time. I was sick, I was weak, I was like, nah, this is, I've got got this. I've got this. And so I was, I've done my warm up I've done my stretches, and I'm doing like a shoulder exercise. I pick up this weight and I'm doing it and I'm doing my reps and And after like eventually like the third rep I couldn't do it properly and I was but I was like you know what I'm not going to put this weight down I'm just going to push through I like kinked my neck a little bit I pushed up and then at that point I was like hmm this is interesting (laughs) I put the weight down and after like ten minutes in the gym I had to hobble home like this (laughs) on the bus like this and I, 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 I can't make this up I couldn't move from bed for three days I missed midweek that day when people were like, oh you sick I was like yeah <laughs> <laughs> but you see that's what happens when we try and exalt ourselves we try and lift ourselves up we get humbled in the most embarrassing ways possible <laughs> um, and you know To get back to the scripture, the the encouraging thing for all of us is, as mentioned, we're not justified by what we do. And what that means is that it doesn't matter what we've done before, it doesn't matter where we've come from, our background, that if we go to God with a humble heart, he won't turn away from us. Uh, If we go to God with humility, begging for mercy, he's there for us. And I think that can be an encouragement to all of us in this room today. Um, Whether you feel like you're super close to God or not, whether you feel like you don't know him at all, you're just starting your journey towards him... You go to God with a humble heart, you're golden. Mm. And you know, my encouragement, um, I urge you to go home and to think about the cross. Mm. Go home and reflect on what God has done for each and every one of us. And the reason I say that is because without that, um, it's very easy for us to feel entitled to to God's grace. Um, Without understanding what Jesus went through and without understanding that it was completely God not me, not you, um, it can be very hard to be humble towards him. Um, but when you do that, you look at God, you look at how incredible he is, you look at his great love for all of us, it makes it that much easier to go to him begging for mercy with complete humility. And you know, he goes on in the passage and he's talking and you know, we see that Jesus finishes his parable and people are bringing these little, little children to him and um, I, I don't know. I find it kind of funny that the disciples are kind of rebuking them, like go, oh, like go away. Like he's got more, he's got more important things to do than to talk to these little kids. Um, but it's, I find it funny because I feel like I could probably be the same. Not that I love kids. Not that I don't like kids. But um, you know, often with someone like like Jesus, you're like, this man is important. We've got an agenda. We've got things to do. Let's go, go, go. you I'm trying to be playing with these little kids. Um, but Jesus says, I like, know. Jesus says, I like, know. Like, you know, bring, bring them. Um, in fact, if you don't accept the kingdom like these children, you can never enter it. And, you know, children are dependent on people around them. Um, when they're really small, they have to be fed, they have to be changed. Um, even as they get older, they still need someone to cook for them, to provide a home, a roof over their head, to take them places to... Um, <laughs> they're, not, they're not self-sufficient. Um, children innately, have to be humble, otherwise they will not survive. Um, If a child does not ask for food, they will not eat and they will go hungry. um, And that's just the way it is. And even if they don't want to be humble, they have to learn quickly that if they're going to get fed, they need to be humble and cry out to their parents Mm -hmm. for some food. Um, And, you know, we have to adopt that nature. Uh, We have to become like children. It's not natural for us as we get older. We have to become like children um, and adopt that humility to say, God, I I need you. Um, To be like the persistent widow and understand that he is our only hope, we need to persist in going to him and not giving up. You know, we need to to understand that we are not on the same level as God and go to him with humility and with uh, begging him for mercy like the tax collector did. We need to remember that he is our father that he cares for us, that he, um, he is a loving father to all of us um, that deserves our respect and our admiration. And our, my encouragement is for all of us to be like children in this sense, to go forward aiming to, to learn how to become like them, uh, going to God in prayer with faith, with persistence and with humility. We do that, we'll see that God answers our prayers, we we'll see that God looks after us, and as the scripture says, we we'll see the kingdom is ours. You know, in a moment, uh, we're going to be taking communion. And this is something we do regularly. And we remember the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus as we take the bread and the juice. Um, And I think even what we've been talking about today, what we've been looking at in the scriptures, um, the whole idea that we can go to God and get justification from him is only possible because of Jesus. It's only possible because of the sacrifice that he made for us on the cross and before I pray I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 2 it says as for you you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient all of us also lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its (coughs) desires and thoughts like the rest we were by nature deserving of wrath It is a gift of God, not by works so that one can boast, but we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let's pray before we take the bread and wine. Dear Father God, we come before you humbly, um, knowing that uh, we, are, we don't deserve your love, God, we don't deserve our relationship with you. Um, God, we come before you begging for mercy and um, knowing that we are sinful human beings, God, and you are uh, perfection, God. Um, You have all power, you have all might, um, God, you are completely loving, completely kind, completely righteous in every single way, God. And uh, thank you so much that you choose to have a relationship with us despite our nature. God, thank you so much that you have mercy on us and you love us that much that you sent your perfect son to die for us on the cross. And God, thank you that because of that, we can be close to you, Father God, that we don't have to, we don't get our justification from the things that we do, uh, but you did all the work for us on the cross. God, we are so grateful for that. And I pray that as we move forward, that we can remember that, remember that uh, we don't deserve you, God, but you are still there for us. God, help us to not be entitled, help us to be humble, help us to be persistent in our relationship with you. and. Um, ultimately help us to rejoice and to be glad and to be grateful um, for Jesus dying on the cross for all of our sins. God, we love you so much and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.